Welcome everyone. Thank you for joining us for another one of CEDA's conversations on the COVID-19 crisis and what it means for uh, different people and from different perspectives. Uh, I'm joined for the conversation today by Kareem Elanzari, who is the outgoing uh, Youth Ambassador for Australia to the United Nations. Kareem, welcome. Thanks so much, Belinda. Good to be here. Yeah, thanks for being with us. Um, before we sort of get on to the topic at hand, um, do you mind just telling me a little bit about what it means to be Australia's Youth Ambassador to the United Nations? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, not many people actually know that this role exists, but it's it's been in place since 1999. Um, and every year a young Australian is selected between the age of 18 and 25 um, to do the role for a year. And what it basically involves is you spend six months traveling across the country, um, talking to young people or listening to young people rather, trying to understand what sort of issues are impacting them across the country, what sort of solutions they envision to some of the most pressing challenges that we're facing, what sort of things they'd like to feed up to decision makers. Um, so it's really an, an primarily an advocacy role where you're speaking to thousands and thousands of young people in different parts of the country getting their perspectives and then trying to feed that up to decision makers. And um, uh, a cool part of the role is you get to spend two months uh, in New York at the UN um, advocating for young Australians. You get to do a little speech to the General Assembly, um, summarising everything that you've heard and been told over the course of your consultation. Uh, and then you spend the rest of the year focusing on uh, domestic advocacy. So talking to decision makers here at home, uh, at all levels of government uh, in the private sector, uh, and trying to encourage them to implement some of the recommendations that young people have made. Look, in all seriousness though, I mean, how do you think the perspectives of youth and young people in Australia have been reflected in the decisions that our government uh, and governments are making, but also just in the conversation more broadly? Mm. I mean, that's a really good question. I, I think we're all trying to grapple with this situation. We're all trying to understand um, you know, how to deal with this information is changing every single day. Uh, and there's so much information out there. Uh, I think young people like all of us just want to feel like things are going to be okay, that where our perspectives are, um, are being included, that our opinions are being heard and that our voices matter. I think that it's fair to say that young people haven't been, um, as much of a part of the, the public conversation as perhaps other members of the community. And a lot of the media stories that focus on young people, I think, focus on the, the differences in how this virus is going to impact them versus other members of the community, but also how young people uh, in, in some way are uh, responsible for the spread of the virus. And I think that's quite negative and I think it's quite uh, unproductive and, I would, you know, in, in any conversation that involves uh, solutions to this crisis, I think we need to bring the community together rather than, you know, um, isolating particular cohorts. Yeah, I think, it's, um, I think it's really interesting because I think it doesn't feel like the perspectives of young people necessarily have really been brought into um, the, the decision-making process but they've certainly, from my perspective, been brought into the conversation. So on the one hand, you know, the whole issue around school closures, I've got school-aged kids, and so, um, you know, that whole debate about school closures, of course, is, you know, 
very relevant to to young kids and I think you know talking to my kids they've felt as if they're not they don't really understand the message um, or what they're meant to be doing and then of course mm. as you've gone rightly I think there's been a lot of focus on younger people's behavior around attending parties or going out and sort of almost implying that um, that they are bearing a bit of a burden or responsibility for that yet you know, really, there's been, you know, people my age who've been going to parties and weddings who are also, you know, just yeah. as listed, if you even want to say that. Yeah, I mean, that's right. And, and look, like everyone else, I was really disappointed to see people, you know, not taking government advice seriously or advice from health authorities seriously. You know, we saw the images from Bondi and a number of other social gatherings across the country. But I think it's important to remember that, you know, th those people do not, represent a majority of, of Australians or young Australians who are taking this very seriously and who are doing the right thing um, and who are listening to to government authorities and health authorities and, and who are trying to make the, the necessary changes to protect members of our community, vulnerable members of our community. Um, and, you know, I've spoken to a lot of young people um, virtually and I've been seeing it a lot on social media. A lot of them are finding um, creative and innovative ways to try and tackle this problem and to support those vulnerable members of our community. Um, you know, I saw a group the other day that set up an online forum to provide free tutoring to students who may be dealing with, with some of the changes to, to moving online and may not have the support systems in place. And I've seen other, um, you know, websites created by young people who are uh, going and, and delivering groceries and other supplies to to the elderly or other members of the community who may not be able to do that for themselves. So there are good things happening. And I think the, the stories that we're hearing are unfortunately disproportionately negative. And, yeah. you know, whilst it's really important that we do recognise that this is a crisis and that it is unprecedented and that we do need to take it really seriously, I think the narrative also needs to, you know, we, we need to have some positivity in there and, and there needs to be cause for hope, particularly when we're talking about young people who, um, already, uh, you know, disproportionately experienced mental health issues. Uh, and, and this is something that is, of course, going to exacerbate those things. So making sure we find a balanced narrative there as well. And, and of course, we need to focus on those members of our community who are most vulnerable and, and most susceptible to this. But we also just want to make sure that we're not excluding other members of the community, particularly young people from, from the public conversation. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, and uh, it was one I was um, going to go to. I've, you know, I've also got a university age um, member of my family, um, mm. and you know, the issues around. I, I don't think anyone thinks that this is a reason not to isolate or not to practice, you know, social distancing. But the fact of the matter is, for for younger people, you know, they get their social interactions and their social support in different ways. Um, and when you've flown the nest and you've gone out into the brave world and you're building your own independent life, um, mm. the, you know, the challenges of social isolation for an extended period of time, are, I think, are very real. And it's not to say that they don't take it seriously and understand the need for it, but it, it, it's not something that they necessarily take lightly as well. And it does have a real cost for them in, in terms of their connectedness and the way they normally do that. And you touched on mental health. I was going to raise that with you because I know from your um, previous sort of uh, public comments that mental health is, you know, one of the top three issues that gets raised by young people all the time. And this is yep. a real challenge for that, I think. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we've done this consultation for a number of years now and every year without fail, mental health emerges in the top three. Um, in our consultation in 2019, it was the third most raised issue um, across the entire country. Um, and in, in you know, a, a number of different contexts as well, geographic uh, contexts. And I think this is, you know, this is one of the core things that we need to consider uh, as this crisis unfolds. Um, you know, this, this social isolation, uh, I think, will um, make any, any condition that young people uh, are already experiencing significantly worse. Um, and I think many people who, who may not have experienced mental illness in the past may be experiencing it for the first time now that a lot of these, you know, incredibly disruptive changes uh, are happening in their lives. And I think we need to think about what that is, the impact that that's going to have over the long term. Um, and how we manage that, uh, particularly among uh, some of the uh, primary school age and, and middle school aged uh, young people um, who are going to be significantly impacted by this. Then um, I know that a lot of service providers um, are working on ways to deal with that and, and move some of their services online. Um, there are some great help centres and, and, and uh, phone numbers that young people can call if they just want to talk through some of these things. Um, a lot of them are now operating 24-7, which is really great. Um, but, you know, interestingly, uh, I was reading an article the other day, uh, one of the organisations who runs one of these um, helplines found that, you know, over the span of a couple of days, there was a 17% increase in in uh, the volume of calls and, and a lot of those calls were coming from primary school aged young people, some as young as seven, who were just really concerned uh, about, the, you know, and, and really stressed by, by the impact that this was having on their lives, but also concerned for their family members, for their grandparents, other people uh, in their immediate social circle who, who will be impacted by this. So it's something that, yeah policymakers need to consider, but also we need to consider as we're uh, trying to navigate this as a, as a community. Yeah, I think, I think that's exactly right. And let me just um, just grab onto that actually from a policy perspective, because mm. I think you've hit on the really important issue of making sure at this critical time that there is enough financing and funding and support for these organisations that we rely on heavily all of the time, but actually are going to be relying on critically at this particular point in time. The other mm. issue that people have been talking a lot about, which directly impacts young people, is domestic violence. Mm. So we know that um, actually when um, partners leave the home, that's often a point in time in which um, victims of domestic violence can actually regroup and set themselves up for the day and develop their strategies for the day um, to keep themselves and their children safe. Uh, yeah. And now that we've got um, social isolation and distancing in place, that's actually, that avenue is gone. Yeah. So you're seeing a spike in domestic violence. You've seen it reported overseas as well. So really and, and of course kids see that and kids experience that themselves so it's really important i think that all of the community is aware of the the support that they might be able to provide to people in those organizations but also mm. that governments around the country are making sure that they're doing what they can to make sure that whether it's emergency housing or other mm. services because it's, it's it's the victims of domestic violence and that includes young people in australia yep uh, absolutely right 
um, and domestic violence was the fifth most raised issue in our consultation in 2019, um, which surprised me. Uh, and, but I think it's, you know, it certainly highlights just how many young Australians are being impacted by this uh, and that it is a priority uh, for many of them. And, and I think, as you've rightly pointed out, this crisis will ch change the nature of, of uh, how that issue is, um, is being dealt with across the community. And it's something we need to be increasingly aware of. Um, this is not, um, you know, my field in particular, um, but I, I think that, you know, we, we need to, as you know, similarly to mental health, be providing uh, the support for service providers and, and you know, uh, supporting the infrastructure that is already in place to support victims of domestic violence to make sure that they are able to deal with, um, you know, uh, cases as they emerge in, in a, and continue to deal with cases as they emerge in a, in a um, productive way. Let's let's turn to the future. You said we need to have a bit of hope, and um, and we do need to be optimistic. I mean, it's really uncertain times, and I, um, you know, we're all trying to deal with that and grapple with that and keep our family and friends safe. But mm. but we will recover, um, and we're going to have some big challenges before us. We've talked about unemployment. We've talked about the importance of making sure that people, particularly young people who find themselves in un a situation of unemployment now, mm. can be helped out of that as quickly as possible. But more generally, you know, what do you think are the really important perspectives that young people are going to want to bring? And, and how do we create an environment where, you know, their voice is being heard? Because the future matters most to them, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, they're, they're great questions. I think more than anything, young people, as I spoke about earlier, want to feel like they're being, their, their perspectives are being taken seriously, that their ideas are valued and that there are genuine avenues for us to be able to contribute to decision-making. Um, and almost any major policy decision these days will in some way, shape or form impact young people, um, whether that be education policy, economic policy, social policy, it, it, in some, you know, it, it, it does impact young people. So I think more than anything, we would like to be included um, and that, could take a, you know, a variety of forms. We've recommended uh, that the federal government establish a youth advisory council, which uh, our model for that actually exists at most of the, at the state level. Uh, and we've got a really effective one here in Victoria. Um, but that is something that doesn't exist at present at the federal level. And, and what that would do is actually bring a diverse group of young people into a formal decision-making structure uh, where they can help advise um, government and relevant portfolio ministers on policy. Um, that's one mechanism. Um, another is to really support the youth sector that does that does support young people. And one of the ways that we could do that is is provide funding to a peak body for young people. And that's something that was um, around a few years ago, but was defunded in 2013. Um, and I think, as as a general rule as well, just ensuring that uh, you know our public conversation doesn't skew um, to, to positioning young people, painting young people with the same brush. They can contribute meaningfully. They want to contribute meaningfully. Um, and I think the media certainly has a role to play here as well. I mean, I, I, I'm not sure if you'd agree with this, but, you know, I jump online and, and every news article I'm reading is, a, is about, you know, how this crisis is going to, you know, kill X amount of people or how X amount of people are going to be out of work and how it's going to fundamentally change the nature of our, our economy. 
and our social system. And, and, you know, reading that stuff, I think, over time has an impact on people. And particularly when you're stuck at home and you're trying to make sense of this and and you're already quite anxious and and there's a great deal of uncertainty, those sorts of things I think only only serve to fuel some of those anxieties. So I, I think balancing that with positive stories about what good work is being done um, about how we can move through this crisis with some optimism. Uh, I think young people have a lot to contribute to that conversation in particular. Um, so I'd encourage uh, anyone who's working in the media or in a, in a position of authority or decision-making power to actively engage with young people um, and and promote some of the, the good things that are happening. Yeah, I think it's, um, I mean, it's a challenge we're going to have to take on at CEDAR, right? You've just tossed that challenge to me. So... Um, I'd like to think we have a bit of an influence on conversation, so we'll have to take that up. I mean, um, there've been there's been a lot of issues that have been talked about in the immediacy of what's going on that I think have been cast very much through the lens of um, adults in an older generation. Um, you know, obviously, um, elderly people in our community are more susceptible to the very extreme impacts of um, of the virus and. Um, are dying at, at higher rates, which is, you know, obviously um, terrible. Um, but you've also seen with um, financial markets gyrating wildly that people are focused on what that means for, um, you know, those that have invested who are, you know, largely mm-hmm. older people. You don't see too many young people with huge share portfolios, some, but not not huge amounts. And so I think there is a risk that that, that aspect of it gets um, skewed in the media in the right here, right now, but um, but the policy decisions that we are going to have to take uh, in the months and years ahead to to really recover and rebuild financial and social resilience and economic resilience are going to have very profound impacts on the younger generations, and they should be a voice in shaping those. Whether it's tax policy, whether it's thinking about um, yeah. how we think about the nature and structure of work how we think about our education system, you know, they're all super relevant for for younger generations. But also, I think we're going to have to try to remember what things happened in this crisis that we want to to keep. Um, And there are some things, the way people are re-engaging with the community, the great examples that you provided of young people who are leaning in and trying to help other members of their community. And Mm. I was talking to a colleague at work who was saying that, as more and more people started working from home, he started seeing more and more kids around the school playground picking their kids up. Um, so, you know, sorry, not, uh, seeing more parents and more fathers picking their kids up at school. Mm. And, you know, that, that's, a, that's a positive thing, right? You know, dads who you know, are now working from home, who've got time and maybe the capacity to spend a bit more time with their kids than normal work mm. allows them to. Mm. You know, that's something that, Maybe we, you know, in six months' time, we think, hey, that was a, that wasn't a bad thing. So how can we build that in in a more regular way? How can we get a better permanent balance? Um, so I think there's, you know, that's just one example. Mm. I think as we spend more and more time at home, we might just want to sift through the other things that we've been able to do that maybe we want to hold on to a little bit more. And it's been mm. delivered to us through a crisis, but it's something we should should hold on to. Yeah, I think that's a really nice way to look at it. Um, you know. The, we're in this situation together. None of us predicted it. Um, none of us really uh, have any control over. Um, well, I mean, to, to a certain extent, we 
we do. But I think what we do have certainly control over is, is the approach that we take um, and, and the mindset that we bring. And I think, you know, I, I agree this has been a really, what was quite shocking for a lot of people and for me in particular, it's been a nice opportunity to reconnect with my family. Um, I know I'm calling my grandparents more regularly mm -hmm. and having, you know, Skype chats with them, which is really nice. And strangely, I'm communicating with friends more than I, I would if I was uh, operating normally. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, the, the, you know, this, this does, you know, adopting that, that positive sort of um, uh, mindset, I think is really important. And, and it's something that we could also extrapolate out to broader issues, you know, around education. Yes, a lot of schools are being forced to move um, their classes online, but perhaps that is, is part of uh, where we were going anyway with a, a rapidly changing world of work and, and schools looking at innovative ways to, to engage their students. Um, this is something that perhaps could, uh, could show us um, uh, some new ways of working and learning, uh, which we could carry through as we go forward. Um, so yeah, taking taking out the good bits where we can, I think, is important. Yeah. That's probably um, a good place to end our conversation for today, Kareem. Thanks so much for um, joining us and supporting Cedar in our efforts to um, get some more ideas and information out there at this time of great uncertainty. We've had uh, a lot of good response to. Um, things that we've recorded so far, and I'm sure people are going to really enjoy um, your observations and the insights. I'll put the um, offer out there to any uh, younger people who are watching this. Feel free to drop us um, an email. You can get the details on our website, cedar.com.au. If you've got any ideas of what you think we should be focusing on and how we can do a better job uh, in reflecting the youth voice in our policy discussions and conversations. Um, so thanks again for being with us. Thanks so much for having me. I really enjoyed the conversation and uh, all the best to you guys at CEDAR. Uh, so for anyone who feels that um, they need to talk to someone if they're having um, anxiety, mental health issues, not sure how to handle the COVID-19 crisis, there are resources out there that you can access readily. Uh, we've got a couple here that you can use uh, beyond blue.org.au if you're going online or the help number is 1300 22 That's 1300 22 46 36. Uh, or you can go to reachout.com and their helpline number is 1300 555 727. Uh, if you need any help or support, um, there's some resources that you can use. Thanks very much.